Perspective on the Coming of Jesus from pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef. You see, if it is today, as far as I'm concerned, wonderful. I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep serving and I'm going to keep loving and I'm going to keep giving because when He comes today, He's going to find me busy. If it's going to be so many years from now, wonderful. If I'm still around, I'm going to be giving and serving and loving and I'm going to keep... So whenever He comes, He's going to find me working, not sitting idly by. Jesus taught and told His disciples that He was coming back. They didn't just sit looking at the sky waiting for His return. They got busy. And in Dr. Yusuf's current series, Until Christ Returns, you'll be challenged to do the same. Actively prepare yourself and others for the coming kingdom. Keep in mind, all of Dr. Yusuf's messages are available online. Listen at ltw.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast or download the Leading the Way app to listen. Now, though, listen to this challenging message from God's Word. The only people who ought to be fearing and trembling of that day of judgment are those who have refused to accept Jesus Christ as their only Savior. Those who think that they are good enough or can be good enough to be accepted by God in heaven on their own steam. Uh, The only ones who need really worry about this and fear that are the ones who think that they can save themselves or that they can do enough work and charitable work, good work, in order to get them to heaven. They're the only ones who think that they are their own Savior. They're the ones who should be fearful of that day, but not those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, that's exactly the message of 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. Turn to it with me, please, if you haven't already. Here in chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, Paul uses a segue sentence. Now, brothers, about the times and the dates. Some says times and seasons. There are two words in the Greek, and they both mean time. One is a moment of time, and the other one is a season. See, there are people in our culture nowadays are so fascinated about the end of the world. But believe it or not, 2,000 years ago, the Christians in Thessalonica, they were not only fascinated by that day, they were not only curious about that day, <laughs> they were worried about this day. In fact, they were, through some erroneous teaching and erroneous information, became really, really unsettled about the day of the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul writes to them, first of all, to assure them that neither the believers who have died and already with the Lord, nor the ones who are going to be around when Christ returns, should have anything to worry about. They should not be concerned. They should not be fearful. They should not be apprehensive. After he told them about the rapture when the believers will be taken to heaven, Then he goes on to tell them about the character and the nature of that day. Verse 2, he said, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Verse 3, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them. Suddenly, as a labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. The Thessalonians wanted to know when the Lord's day going to be. Why? so that they can be suitably prepared. So how does Paul answer that question? Get your calendars out. (laughs) Yeah. He told them that, number one, there's no need to know that date. Why? 
Well, if they knew it was going to happen a long time from now, they would become callous and they will become careless and they become indifferent. Well, if they know it's going to be immediately, what happens? They will panic, like some of them already have, left their jobs and become idle. So instead of giving them the dates, Paul is saying to them and to every generation of believers, including everyone who's listening to me today, what the Apostle Paul is saying to all of us and to every generation is this, that we must be daily in a state of preparedness, that we must daily be in a state of readiness, that we must not be clock watchers, we must not be sign seekers, because that's why God deliberately did not reveal that date, not even the Lord Jesus. He said, only the Father knows that date. So if you have your calendar, mark every day on your calendar. (laughs) That's it. If you brought your calendar, you want to know every single day, mark it in your calendar. You see, if it is today, as far as I'm concerned, wonderful. (laughs) I'm going to keep working, and I'm going to keep serving, and I'm going to keep loving, and I'm going to keep giving, because when He comes today, He's going to find me busy. If it's going to be so many years from now, wonderful. If I'm still around, I'm going to be giving and serving and loving, and I'm going to keep… So whenever He comes, He's going to find me working, not sitting idly by. And Paul is saying that it would have been pointless for him to write to them about that date. Why? He said, you know that nobody knows that date. He said, I told you that when I was with you. (laughs) Because that day is going to come as a thief in the night. You know, in that culture, first century, robbers did not come and rob in the daytime when people are out of their houses. Because in that culture, there's always somebody in the house. So they waited until people are bone tired from working physically in the farms or wherever they work, and they're exhausted, and they go into a deep sleep, and they wait, and they wait, and at that time, the thief comes in and robs the house, robs them blind. That's the image that you need to get in our head here. Robbers never send out a card and say, by the way, I'm going to be in your neighborhood next week. They don't send an alarm, trumpets, and say, hey, I'm coming. No. And remember also, he is speaking to a culture that has no electricity, no alarms, and no alarm security companies, and no police, and none of that. In fact, it is at a time when the world is saying, peace and security, things are fine. It will happen. Here's the difference. And it's an inference in the way he describes and comes back to talk about the thief in the night. You see, to the non-believers, to those who are living in spiritual darkness, is going to be like a thief in the night. Totally unexpected. But to the believers, it's going to be like labor pain, like a woman going into labor. While the labor pain is hit suddenly, and, but it's not unexpected. You see, for the non-believers, the day of the Lord is going to be like a thief in the night, totally unexpected. But for the believers, it's going to be like pregnancy. It is expected. It is greatly anticipated. It is waited for. It is imminent. It is inevitable. Far from wanting to escape it. The labor pains are hopeful. They are joyful. It's a joyful event. 
It's a great event of deliverance. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. Now, here's the metaphor that the Apostle Paul is using, and the three in nature, three reasons why they're not prepared. They are in darkness, they are in sleep, and they are drunk. But not so the believer. The believer who lives in a spiritual light, they'll be able to see, they'll be able to hear, they're anticipating it, and they'll be ready. Why? Because they are alert, they are sensitive to it, they are expecting it. And that is why we refer to a pregnant lady, we say she's expecting. (laughs) It's not a surprise, it's expecting, waiting and ready, it could be any moment. Now, there are people, you know and I know, there are people who think that living for self has made them successful, that living without God made them rich, that living without God gave them all that they wanted in this life. Ah, but they do not understand that God does not settle His accounts right away. Hear me right. The day of reckoning is coming. The day of judgment is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And from that day, there is no escape. And when Paul refers to that day as a day of destruction, he does not mean it's an annihilation, that everything is just going to be destroyed and it's over. No, the word means a separation from God. In fact, that day is going to make all of the tsunamis and and all of the Katrinas and all of the hurricanes look like a Sunday school picnic in comparison. The only difference is people will not die. They will be living and they'll be alive. In fact, the book of Revelation said that they wish they were dead, but they cannot die. So the question is, how can anyone escape from spiritual darkness to spiritual light? from sleep to alertness, from death to life, from drunkenness to sobriety? And the answer is very simple. Come to Christ while there is a chance. Come to Christ while there is an opportunity. Come to Christ while I still can. Turn to Him and begin walking in His light. Repent now while there is time to repent before it becomes too late. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How do I know that I'm transformed from darkness to light? How do I know that I'm walking in the light? How do I know? How does anyone know? How does anyone know? And be absolutely sure. I know some precious people who really know the Lord but they're tormented about the fact they're not sure, you know, if they're going to make it. And I keep assuring them, listen, this is not how you feel on a, on a given day, but you have God's Word on it, and that's what your anchor is, God's promise. Well, how can I be sure? Well, actually, Paul gives us the answer in verses 8 to 10. Three things. To know that you have been transformed from darkness, spiritual darkness, to spiritual light. First, he said, we have a renewed character. Secondly, so we have radical conduct. And thirdly, we have a reliable compensation. The difference with those who live in spiritual darkness and those who live in spiritual light is that those who live in spiritual light, 
have a radical or a renewed character. They have a renewed nature. The most obvious of all, listen carefully, please, the most obvious of all is that when we sin, uh, we cannot rest. We cannot just forget it. But immediately we repent and turn from that sin and receive the Lord's forgiveness. Why? Because we are like someone who's wearing a white garb. The slightest bit of stain, it shows up, and we cannot rest until we take care of it by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how you know that you have a renewed character. On the other hand, those who are living in spiritual darkness are like somebody who's dressed in filthy clothes. One more stain cannot be seen. One more stain does not make any difference. And Paul calls the state of watchfulness. He calls it the state of alertness. He calls it the state of being sober. So those who are awaiting the return of the Lord not only have renewed character, but secondly, they have radical conduct. Radical as far as the world is concerned. We are radical as far as the world is concerned. And that is why they don't know how to deal with us. Really, if you have an unbelieving friend, I, I know you'll understand what I'm saying. They don't know how to handle us. And the problem is so many Christians take their insult personally. No, you shouldn't take that personally because they're insulting the one who lives inside of you. That's who they're afraid of. And you've got to understand, the reason they call us bigots and they may call us narrow-minded and they may call us intolerant and they may call us uh, out of the mainstream, all of that stuff, you see, to them, our conduct is radical because they cannot understand us, cannot control us. Why? Because we are alert. We are watching and therefore we are able to distinguish between truth and falsehood, able to distinguish between light and darkness, able to distinguish between right and wrong. And that rubs them the wrong way. It does. It causes their conscience to burn within them. And that really is frustrating. In fact, it convicts them that they do love darkness. It reminds them of their rebellion against God. After all, they are created in God's own image. And that rebellion, that conviction, constantly, your very presence without even having to say a word, rubs them the wrong way. But the one thing they don't understand is this. Listen carefully. The one thing they don't understand is that this is precisely the life that we escaped from. It's precisely the life that we ran away from. That's precisely the life that we woke up from. And because we love them, we want them to join us, but they resist. And that is why you can never approach witnessing or evangelizing or sharing the gospel of somebody without being on the knees of prayer. Listen, that radical conduct is only possible, said Paul said, when we are wearing the battle fatigue. Look at it, verse 8. That radical conduct, that radical lifestyle is only possible when we are wearing our battle armor. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, not to the night, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. How can you tell a person who's sober, who's awaiting the return of the Lord, who is alert, is that person who has that armor. How is that armor expressed? How does it work? According to the Apostle Paul, that person 
is walking by faith, not by sight. He stands firm or she stands firm against the schemes of the devil, not invite the devil to come in and set up a stronghold in their life. Faith is fully trusting in God's promises and in God's plans. Faith is believing in God's Word even when the world is falling apart. Faith says no matter what happens around me, God will keep His Word. Faith says to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that God will provide defense for the temptation when it comes. Faith delights in God's plan even when it does not make sense. Alert believers who live in the spiritual light not only have renewed character, not only have radical conduct, but they also have a reliable compensation. Look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. See, the Thessalonians were like some Christians today who are saved. They know the Lord. They know they're saved. And yet, they are afraid of the day of the Lord. They really are. They're afraid of death. And Paul is saying that our destiny is sure, that our reward is certain, that our compensation is definite, and it is not based on a pie in the sky in the by and by, but our eternal reward is based on the fact that we've accepted the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to be for us as our only hope for salvation. And so, when the Lord returns, whether with we are physically awake or asleep, he says, really makes no difference. Physically, doesn't make any difference. Whether you're awake in the middle of the night or you're asleep, it doesn't matter. Asleep or awake, doesn't matter. Physically, that is. What matters is spiritually. Are you awake spiritually? That's really what's going to make all the difference. As long as we are spiritually awake, I'm convinced that, that when the Lord returns, Suppose it's 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Times. Most of you will be asleep. But the believers in Australia, they'll be having dinner the next day. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what condition. You might be in a wheelchair. You might be bedridden. You might be walking or sitting or running. Whatever the physical thing is, it doesn't matter, Paul said. He said, what matters is the way you are alert and awake spiritually or not. Amen. Our future with Christ is so secure that regardless of where we are physically, he goes on verse 11 to say, therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. That should be a source of encouragement to one another. You know, when a husband and wife have silly argument over silly things, now I'm not talking about serious stuff, I'm talking about silly things, and I know as a husband, we got in arguments in the last 40 years and some silly things, and they just remind each other at that time of that great day. You know, when two brothers or two sisters or two believers or two friends in Christ fall away from each other over some silly things, remind each other of that great day. Remind each other. But I want the person who, maybe a church person, maybe belong to a denomination that really has never understood what it means to fully receive eternal life and walk in the light and, and be sober. I want to pause it in a question form. What then? Ask yourself the question, what then? Can you say that with me? What then? And that came from a great story of a great man of God who was in his last year of law school. And he was an intern in a law firm. And that particular day, he was there by himself in the office. 
And then he heard the voice of the Lord speaking to his heart. What will you do after you finish law school? Hang a shingle and practice law. The voice of the Lord persisted. What then? Get comfortably rich. What then? Have a comfortable retirement. What then? Die. What then? And he could literally feel his lips quivering as he responded and saying, Judgment Day. And at that moment, he came under such conviction by the Holy Spirit, he ran from that small office into the woods, and there he knelt before God, surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, and God used him in a most unique way. Whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a businessman, whatever, you need to ask yourself the question, what then? You've accomplished your goals, what then? You've reached the mountaintop, what then? I pray that you would not rest until you answer that question. A challenge to give, serve, and love until the return of Jesus from Dr. Michael Youssef. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading the Way. If you would like to dig deeper into what it means to give, serve, and love, consider talking to a Leading the Way pastor or counselor. Start a conversation by filling out a short contact form at ltw.org Jesus. One way to give, serve, and love is by partnering with Leading the Way in prayer and as God leads through sacrificial giving. We're so thankful for partners who stand with Dr. Yusuf as he passionately proclaims uncompromising truth at home and around the world. And through prayers and financial support, Leading the Way is able to reach into North Africa, Australia, and all over the Arabic-speaking world through the KingdomSat. Here's a testimony we received, and I believe it'll encourage you as it's encouraged us. From Yusuf in Egypt. It was mere accident that I found the KingdomSat TV channel, which I started to follow. When I saw your posts on your Facebook page, I talked to one of your field team members. I love the teaching of Christ more and more, and I'm thankful to God who helped me know the truth as I felt Him so near to me. I never thought I'd be a Christian. After a lengthy discussion about the Christian faith, the field team invited him to surrender his will to the Lord and accept Him as Lord and Savior. He accepted and prayed the salvation prayer. After he declared his faith in Christ, he said, Today, I pray to accept Christ as the Savior of my life. The joy I felt was extraordinary. My new faith made me forgive all those who have hurt me. I've taken the decision for me to be for Christ forever. He's now engaged in a discipleship group to help him grow in his new faith. Please pray for the field team as they minister and help him grow deeper in his faith. Friends, if you'd like to learn more about Leading the Way, order products or perhaps support Dr. Yusuf with gifts toward the ministry in your neighborhood and neighborhoods around the world, visit ltw.org or call 1-300-133-589. Again, ltw.org and 1-300-133-589. Or you can write Dr. Yusuf a note or a postcard and send it to Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Well, as we close out today's episode, I've got just enough time to invite you to join Dr. Yusuf for the next Leading the Way when he shares more practical ways to live a spirit-filled life. 
until Christ returns. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect with Leading the Way through audio, video, YouTube, Facebook, X, previously called Twitter, and other social media networks you engage with. 